This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast. We are going to uh, preview the Tennessee matchup coming up this weekend. Have a great guest coming on here in just a little bit. Excited to share that interview with you guys. Before we do get going, though, I want to talk about our sponsors. And indeed, you've heard me talk about them before, and we're going to continue to do so through the end of the year with the great opportunity that they have. You know, as 2020's reshaped our work year, especially for businesses and hiring practices, Indeed is the most efficient and well-sourced place to bring in a new hire to your company. They're the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates, and they help you find them quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full flexibility control and especially control over your payments that's important to you when you're looking to hire folks. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. And you can contact those folks the minute you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed.com each day. Make sure you're taking advantage of this $75 credit opportunity to boost your job post and bring in more quality candidates, make sure that those candidates see your opportunity fast. Again, that's a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word there, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Offer ends December 31st. Terms and conditions do apply. So, listen, we're going to transition into what's going on with Tennessee, where the Browns are ahead of this interesting game. Just a, a little update on where these two stand all time. The Browns are 35-32 leaders all time in this series, and this dates back to the Houston Oilers days as well. Uh, the last three games have unfortunately gone to Tennessee. Um, 2016, they, they I think they won by a couple touchdowns. 2017, during the Browns' over 16 season, was a 12-9 Titans win. And then last year, we all remember the season opener, how ugly that got. The, one of the more fun Browns wins was in 2014, the year that obviously... 
Last year, the Browns had a competent thing going when they won 29-28 in Tennessee early in the season where they scored 19 unanswered second-half points, came back for that win. Pretty fun game. Um, but yeah, Cleveland leads in the series, but the Titans have won the last three. Let's talk about where the Titans are. They uh, have dealt with some some injury issues. Some some key players have gone on IR recently for them. Um, Jayon Brown was hurt not too long ago, their best linebacker. Uh, Jadevian Clowney, don't think he'll be back this week. He'll stay on IR, obviously, their best pass rush threat off the edge and Taylor Luan their best offensive lineman also on IR two of their rookies are on the COVID-19 list uh, designated to return Christian Fulton has been on for a while the LSU corner uh, that they took I believe in the second round and then Darrington Evans uh, their running back they took in the third round uh, has been on that list too both of those are not there Adoree Jackson appears to be trending toward out um, guys that did not practice yesterday uh Jeffrey Simmons did not practice, and then I believe their Roger Saffold also missed practice for them as well. So they are they're dealing with injuries. I'm not sure if Saffold. I know Dory Jackson's trending toward being out. He's been out for most of the season. I'm not sure if Saffold will play. Um, I would guess Simmons and Saffold both find a way to play, but uh, we'll we'll keep a close eye on that injury report the rest of the way. Uh, I think it. I think it's going to largely impact how how competent Tennessee is in some key positions but listen they they find a way to win games I mean this team is eight and three we're going to talk to a, a a great film source that covers them they they are one of the more technically sound football teams in the league they started five and oh dealt with COVID issues uh, lost to Pittsburgh lost a weird game to Cincinnati just a letdown game that they lost 31 20 uh, where their defense was pretty porous and their offense put up yards but couldn't score when they needed to score in the red zone, so pretty strange. Uh, only other loss was a Tennessee loss, or sorry, a, a loss to the Colts, Week 10, but they revenged that loss last week, winning 45-26, putting up a ton of points in Indianapolis. So they're feeling good. Well-coached football team, uh, plenty of names that you know, Mike Vrabel, his Ohio connections, Arthur Smith, who took over last year's offensive coordinator, who is becoming a hot head coaching candidate name, so keep an eye on him. Um, they did lose Dean Pease. We'll talk again with, with Mike, our, our, our guest, about losing one of their better defensive-minded coaches. It looks like Mike Vrabel's doing a majority of the coaching on that side of the ball. But Ryan Tannehill's taking care of it. 2,600 yards on the year, 23 touchdowns, only four interceptions. That's the only uh, – I think they have one fumble loss. They have five total turnovers on the year, which is just remarkable. I think a 16-5 to five, uh, ratio there. While uh, 65% completion percentage, taking care of the rock really well. Uh, completing a ton of passes, 217 for 334. Derrick Henry doing Derrick Henry things, 1,257 yards, 12 touchdowns, doing his obvious end of the year, uh, you know, build build up toward the end of the year and close strong. That's what he does, man. That's how he won the rushing title last year. Uh, they rode him in the playoffs. It's going to be a continued theme for Tennessee this season. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly get a dose of him. Uh, it'll be the best run game test the Browns have had this year. They have only faced two top 10 rushers all year. So this will be the preeminent test, and I think the Browns' rush defense statistically is a little misleading. We saw James Robinson have his way last week. We'll see if getting Miles back will help this week. Should be able to see Sione Takitaki, who's one of the Browns' better run game defenders, uh, off of the edge and, uh, and that overfront linebacker stuff. He'll be back as well. He'll be important uh, for this week. Not a big pass-catching threat for Derrick Henry, only 14 catches for 93 yards. They want to get him more involved in the receiving aspect of the game, the same way the Browns do with Nick Chubb. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Uh, we're going to try to sort this thing by rushing yards. We can't. No big deal. There are two wide receiver threats, uh, Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, uh, both guys who were 
highly selected. Uh, I think Corey Davis is a first-round pick. A.J. Brown might have been a second-round pick. Let's check this thing out. If I can recall, yeah, he's a second-round pick, 51st overall. Both great players, 613 or 619 for Corey Davis, 638 for A.J. Brown. Both have only played in nine games this year. Eight touchdowns for A.J. Brown. Uh, we know what a bully he is, a mini D.K. Metcalf. Those two played together in college at Ole Miss. Corey Davis, a nice speed threat. And uh, otherwise, they, they love their tight ends, John Smith. They like Anthony Ferkser, who's come on this year for them. Both of those guys have nice yardage numbers on the season. 338 for John and for seven touchdowns. Ferkser has 282. Adam Humphreys is their slot guy when they go 11 personnel. Uh, 22 catches, 219, two touchdowns. Uh, that's that's the group, man. Really, really tough group. Defensively, not as good. They have, they're certainly their past defense is struggling. Malcolm Butler's their their leading defender on that side, which is a little bit scary for the 30-year-old corner. Kenny Vaccaro has not played as well this year. Kevin Byard has had a letdown year. Um, the the I believe Harold Landry leads them in sacks with four and a half. Jeffrey Simmons has had three from the interior. They do not get a ton of pass rush. One of the bottom in the league in terms of generating pressure on the quarterback. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. They're playing Imani Hooker a little bit more, a guy I really like coming out of uh, coming out of last year's draft out of Iowa. I think he's going to end up being a nice player for them and take over in some some key secondary role. But right now they really don't have an answer at corner uh, opposite, opposite Malcolm Butler. So the Browns should have, based on the data, plenty of opportunities to throw the football and do so from a clean pocket. So it's going to be quite an interesting game. We're going to talk a little bit more detailed personnel uh, with our guest uh, coming up here in just a moment. But before we do get to our guest, I'm going to talk to you about our good friends at Bet Online. I've been using them frequently. I'll continue to do so with football back in full swing, kind of approaching you know, the important games of the year in the NFL and college. And they're going the extra mile at Bet Online to make sure you can get every possible chance to win. From game spread totals to team, player, coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anyone else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today still and start off wagering on wins, divisions, championships. All of it is still available. All the futures. Head to Bet Online today, take advantage of the great sign up bonuses, and don't forget to use that promo code BlueWire, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, uh, is your, your key promo code there. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, switching gears, we're going to go over to our guest, who I think is one of the better guests I've had on this year, who covers this team. Very in depth con- uh, content here. His name's Mike Herndon. He's an analyst and editor over at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Does a great job for them. He's at Mike Miracles on Twitter again, and uh, he's a film junkie. He's got good content. He's a very smart guy, sharp guy. This is a great interview, one of my favorites again. So let's get over to that interview now. Mike, listen, man, it's new to me, the Browns getting into these sort of primetime showdowns. You're a little bit more accustomed to this stuff. We're sitting at 8-3, both teams, right? It's, it's, it's an interesting time for Cleveland. I'm interested in the Tennessee perspective. It's been a rocky road to get there. I think there's been some, some, some bumps early in the season, some injuries that have occurred your way. I'm just curious sort of the state of, of the Titans heading into this game and and uh, how you're feeling about them kind of working into the back quarter of the schedule. Yeah, so, I mean, the Titans, obviously they got off to the 5-0 and start, um, and in the midst of that was the COVID deal, the, the breakout that happened here. Um, they had a, a few guys go out. Of course, they come off of that and immediately wax the Bills. I mean, the, the, that game and the one that they're coming off of right now, the the – uh, winning against the Colts last week, those are really the two most complete performances that we've seen from this team this year. It's kind of funny that one came from, uh, you know, a team that hadn't practiced but twice in a matter of, I think it was two and a half weeks. Um, so it was kind of a, a surprise performance in that game. But 
it's it's been a little bit of a up and down season. You know, they they lost the close one to the Steelers, where the Steelers got way out in front of them. The Titans fought back, uh, ended up missing a field goal at the end that would have tied it. That really, I mean, that that was a very makeable field goal. It wasn't a crazy distance or anything like that. So close game, close loss there. Worst performance of the year was probably the Bengals. They they kind of laid an egg there in Cincinnati, and then they turned around. Uh, beat the Bears, uh, lost to the Colts in a big matchup uh, where that was a back and forth game until the Titans special teams, which has kind of been a, a little bit of an Achilles heel for them all year, uh, really imploded. They had a 17 yard punt uh, that led to a Colts touchdown. And then the very next possession had a blocked punt that was returned for a touchdown. So as a 14 point swing and really kind of put that one out of reach. But the last two weeks, they've responded well, rebounded well. Uh, you know, they, they've been pretty banged up, uh, injury wise of recent, um, in the, in the last few games, but they're, they're overcoming and they're getting some guys, some young guys that are stepping up into bigger roles and, and succeeding right now. So, um, I'd say the last two weeks have been some better encouraging, uh, direction for the team. And, and I think, uh, they're trying to build on that. And, and Mike Rabel's team, one thing that, that we've been able to say pretty confidently about them over the last few years, just that they closed strong. Um, they closed strong in 2017. They closed strong, or they closed strong in 2018. They closed strong last year, and uh, this year they're obviously going to be looking to do the same. And if they do, they'll be uh, division champs. Well, let's talk about that offense, man. I mean, it, it appears it's the three guys that, that run this thing, and 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 Ryan Tannehill. Listen, Cleveland fans were were as ecstatic as they could possibly be heading into 2019, and were humbled so quickly by that, that week one game, but the, the, the situation's even different, more different than that week one game in the fact that Tennessee now is a quarterback. So Ryan Tannehill, man, 23 touchdowns, only four interceptions, completing 65% of his passes, 2,600 yards. Like, when when you guys brought him in, did, did you see this coming, or has this just been like every single week he's been in Tennessee, this guy just keeps getting better, and, and he's honestly, man, a top seven quarterback playing stats-wise, performance-wise, Pro football focus-wise, all those data metrics you want to look at in the league. So talk to me about his growth and where you guys kind of feel about him. If they need to rely on him to win a game, do you feel confident he can he can bring them to uh, to the finish line? Yeah, it's, it's a pretty unique situation with Tannehill, right? I mean, you trade a fourth-round pick for him. And and really, you know, the t- at the time, it was viewed as, all right, they're flipping a fourth-round pick because Mariota can never stay healthy, right? The Mariota, one of the biggest knocks on him had always been his injury history and injury issues, and they'd, been, they'd played backup quarterbacks for, for three – or they played backup quarterbacks for four straight years under Mariota. So clearly they were going to have to play their backup quarterback, and they wanted to upgrade that position. They had Blaine Gabbert there before, and that was – you know, Blaine Gabbert's Blaine Gabbert. So they, they go and trade for him. The view was, hey, they want a high-end backup. They know that Mario is going to miss some games. But it was always he was going to be the clear backup. Through camp, honestly, Tannehill looked pretty good. And then preseason started, and Tannehill really outplayed Mario in preseason. But, you know, everybody kind of looked at it and said, all right, well, that's preseason. You know, you can only read so much into that, everything like that. So season starts. Mario has the one good game against the Browns, which, I mean, he didn't – Frankly, he didn't have to do a whole lot. I mean, he, Derrick Henry played really well in that game. The Titans' defense played really well in that game. Mariota was more of a passenger than than a driver there. Um, and then the wheels kind of came off for him after that. They he totally bombed the next two weeks. Bounced back with one okay game and then flamed out the next two. They go to Tannehill and the, the light switched on immediately for this offense. 
They were 26th in DVOA, uh, offensive DVOA, after Mariota played six games in uh, 2019. The rest of the way, Tannehill actually had them, if you just isolated weeks seven through 17, they were the number one offense in DVOA last year after Tannehill took over. This year, they're number three. It's it's to the point now, Tannehill's played enough games, it's not a fluke. Um, he was always a talented guy, I, I thought. I mean, he always had arm strength, accuracy. He's got enough mo- mobility. He's a smart guy, good leader. Does a lot for you. Some of the problems in Miami, he always took he always took too many sacks, wasn't very good under pressure. Um, you know, kind of the, some of those little details of the quarterback position. That's why his team's always there were always seven and nine, eight and eight. You know, they were they kind of hovered around mediocre. Um, but since he came here, he's got better offensive line protection, better weapons around him. He's got the running game and Derrick Henry, and they're letting him play off a of play action. I mean, that that is you know, 70% of their passing game is essentially uh, play action. So they are going to allow him to turn around, to turn around, put the ball in Derrick Henry's belly, pull it out, and then fire it to A.J. Brown or Corey Davis on crossing routes typically. And that's that's their bread and butter of this offense. Now, third downs, you drop him back. He can hurt you. He The Titans are top 10 in the NFL in third down conversion percentage. So he's doing some good stuff for them there, keeping the chains moving. But – they don't ask him to be Patrick Mahomes. They don't ask him to be, you know, a superstar quarterback. They ask him to execute the offense, and he's extremely proficient at that. And one thing that he's really improved on, his sack numbers are the lowest there have ever been in his career this year. It was something that struggled. he struggled with in Miami. He struggled with it last year. I think it's been a clear focus of him this past offseason. He's looking for places to dump the ball and throw it away when pressure comes. Titans offensive line is very good. Uh, they're not great in, in pass protection, I don't think. But Tannehill's gotten better at managing the pocket, getting rid of the ball when he needs to. And that's helped him tremendously, I think, this year, kind of avoiding big negative plays. Well, I think what Tannehill's doing where he's getting to the comfort in Arthur Smith's offense, right? Like, this is, I think, in the end game for the Browns would be that Baker gets to that level of comfort. Because these two offenses really mirror themselves in terms of the structure of how they want to do things. They want to be a run-first team until they can't. And they want to be a deceptive early down pass team when they feel like they can take advantage of things. Tannehill is super proficient at that, a plus athlete, can get out and run on boot game stuff. And like you said, he has a live arm. He can make the throws. And they do have two very good wide receivers. A.J. Brown is a guy who, who, if Denzel Ward was playing, is a guy who gives him fits. Those big physical guys, not, not people that Denzel typically matches up well with. We'll see how the Browns handle him with maybe a Kevin Johnson or, or, or Terrence Mitchell. But listen, offensively... We're going to talk about the other guy that's that, that we haven't really mentioned yet, which is Derrick Henry, and 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 it's it's just it's funny to me, Mike, when I look at this man, it's like these two offenses are almost identical. I think the Browns' offensive line gets a lot more public love. Uh, I think Tennessee's offensive line should get more love because of what they're able to do, but they're they're so mirrored identical. It's 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 going to be a fun watch in that regard. So talk to me, like like Derrick Henry. We talk in this in. in there's this little fun jab that goes back and forth. It seems like sometimes when somebody neutral puts out the best running back in the league and Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, these guys go back and forth. It's fun, man. I think Derrick yeah. Henry's done it longer. He's more proven, and I think he's got the leg up right now. But Nick and, and Kareem are chomping at the heels, so it's like we in Cleveland, let me put it this way. We think that, that Nick Chubb is able to overcome so many obstacles play-to-play, like 
there's only been four instances going into last week where the Browns had had an expected 10-yard gain, but they'd had, between the two of their, of their running backs in the backfield, had 44 rushes of 10 or more yards. So we see it as the offensive line's very good, but they have two really special running backs who make things happen, make one guy miss, and create things downfield. Derrick Henry's obviously in the same mold. How great has it been, man? And talk to me not just about who he is as a player, but how great has it been to watch him over the last few years just close these seasons so so ridiculously. I mean, listen, I own the guy in my fantasy league, and I love it. I'm nervous about this week because I get that torn feeling. But, like, just talk <laughs> talk to us about what he does. I want to see if your answer is pretty similar to how we feel about uh, about Nick Chubb here in Cleveland. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I agree with you. I think Chubb, uh, Henry and Dalvin Cook really are kind of the, the three running backs in the NFL right now. You can you can quibble about the order of those three, uh, but those are the guys to me. And Henry, I think where you where you start most of the time is his his size. Right. You know, he's six, three, he's two fifty. Uh, you know, he runs really well. He's he's still got one of the top 10, I think, uh, ball carrier mile, miles per hour uh, in the NFL this season on his 94 yard touchdown against Houston. He is um, a physical specimen, but really the I think the most special thing about him is the way he takes care of his body. And, and it is a year-round thing. He it it is one thing to say NFL players work out a lot. Yeah, yes, all NFL players work out a lot. You're not there if you're not, you know, working working hard in the offseason. But this guy takes it to a different level. And that is really the reason why down the stretch he tends to punish teams. It happens over an NFL season. You're playing 16 games, full contact. Uh, you know, these guys are suffering multiple car wrecks, you know, a game basically, and then suiting it up the next week. That wear and tear builds on on bodies as the season goes on. And the Titans kind of, you know, and I'm sure you're familiar with it with the Browns too. They like to run that stretch zone play and they like to get people moving side to side. And as soon as you've got a backside defender or the backside defensive tackle doesn't quite get there, or he's a slow, a step slow closing that cutback lane. Derrick Henry's going to p- stop on a dime turn it upfield, and he's gone. And those cutback lanes, he's so good at reading them. He's become an expert in zone running. And you look at him and you don't think, oh, that's a zone runner. He he just physically doesn't look like one, but he has become really, really good at reading those uh, bend, bang, bounce reads going through the zone the zone process, you know, with that outside zone run, which is the Titans bread and butter. They build everything off of that offensively, be it play action, be it you know, the run game, everything is built off of that outside zone. And they, you know, do some inside zone. They throw in some counter stuff last week, too. So they're varied in their run approach, but the outside zone is the basis. And Henry is so good at making you pay if you're slow to the hole. He just, he gets up to speed and he'll run through arm tackles. You just, you have to be squared up to him to get him down. He's not, he's not going down on first contact. That's the way I view Chubb, too. I mean, I think this is going to be a fascinating game. Both teams, both defensive runs need to bring their hard hats for this one because you're going to be taking a sledgehammer all game long. And you know, whoever is able to stop the bleeding the most really is probably going to come away with this one. But yeah, Henry's a special, special dude. Uh, as the season wears on, he doesn't get tired. I mean, he, he last year he was taking 30 carries a game down the stretch going into the playoffs. And he ended up with over 400 touches last year. Never slowed down. Never showed any inkling of showing slowing down. Um, and he does. He never gets up slow. I mean, the guy's a cyborg. He 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 just he he never seems to have anything bother him physically. It's it's been unbelievable to watch him. Um, and he really kind of has blossomed over the last uh, really under Mike Vrabel since Vrabel took over. 
um, he, he's turned into a hell of a running back, and it's been fun to watch. It's funny, a lot of the things you talk about there, bing, bang, bounce, course, things, stuff like that, it's all things we write about here. It's fun It's fun that we mirror in terms of like what you're saying, how you guys view him, the things you're able to write about that guy week to week. It's, uh, it's special, and you don't, you don't always get that. Not every franchise is able to have that, and it's just kind of ironic hearing that. And it, It's, it's going to be such an interesting game because when you talk about, you know, you talk about Henry, you talk about Chubb, how these teams are going to stop each other because the defense is, in my opinion, Cleveland's defense is a lot of fool's gold. They've, they've been playing from out in front of a lot of people, and they've created a lot of turnovers. And I think it's pretty similar with what Tennessee has done. I think Tennessee's created 16 turnovers. Cleveland has created 17. Uh, it's a lot of bend but don't break is what they're trying to do. Browns have a ton of just – they just have a ton of average players across the board, guys who don't make anything over the expected level of play very often. Now, they do get back Miles, who's a game changer, and he's been on top of his game. How he comes back from the COVID list – we're, we're kind of eager to see how it's impacted him or if he had nothing going on and he was just waiting. Uh, and they're down their other, only other impact player, Denzel Ward. And Ronnie Harrison was coming into his own. They just lost him too. So it's an even bigger burden for Cleveland now. They do have Olivier Vernon playing really well up front lately. They obviously bring back Miles. The front of the defense is what's best. But the run defense for Cleveland, which ranks in the 10, 11, 12 range, it's not as good as you would think it is because the numbers don't equal to what they're, they've been doing lately and certainly not what they've been dealing with in neutral situations. They get out in front so often that they're able to take advantage of playing in front and making teams throw the football. And it looks like, I'm just glancing, I haven't watched a ton of Titans film yet, passing numbers, metrics are pretty low on the defensive side. I know, I think Adoree Jackson's out. I, I think I'm, I'm not up to date yeah. with some of these things. But like... It seems like what happens with Tennessee, they play from in front a lot, like Cleveland does. They they milk the clock, they run the football, they they get out early, they close the football game with the run game, which is a great formula, it's successful modern football. But there's also some holes in the defense. I don't think they pressure the quarterback a ton. I think their pressure rate's one of the lowest in the league. And and that's the only area of optimism for me with Brown's passing game is that Baker's a better quarterback when he has time if he doesn't feel pressure. So Here's my opinion, Mike, and you tell me, talk about the defense, what's going on with Tennessee. It's it's the turnover battle, and this one's going to be key. The Titans have only turned it over four times all year, unless my eyes are deceiving me, which is maybe five. I think it's five. They're ridiculous. Five, they take yeah. care of the football so well. So if they can keep taking care of the football, play that defense, that's their formula to winning this game by far. So like, talk to me about what their defense looks like in neutral situations. Is it a defense you guys feel like you can trust, or is Vrabel and the gang kind of trying to just piece it together as they go? You know, the, this defense has been a roller coaster for, for this year. You know, coming back, it looked like they were set up to have a pretty good season. You had a lot of guys that had looked good at the end of last year that were playing good football. Kevin Byard, you know, was one of the best safeties in football coming into this year. Uh, Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown at inside linebacker were playing well. Obviously, Jayon Brown is hurt now, and he was actually playing pretty good. But Evans and Bayard have had really down years for them this year. It, it just looks like they're hesitant. And I think a lot of it, they lost Dean Pease, who was their defensive coordinator uh, during the offseason. They didn't end up replacing him. They chose to kind of, Brable is taking more input on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and outside linebackers coach Shane Bowen is the guy that's actually calling the defense. He's really re relatively inexperienced guy. Never called plays before uh, at any level. So it, they, it's been a little bit of a slow burn for the defense. Now, I will say the last few games, they've started to look a lot better. Uh, I'd say the last four weeks have probably been their best four weeks of, of the season. 
Um, they they shut down the Bears, which I mean the Bears are are terrible on offense, but it was a step forward for them to shut shut down a team defensively. Um, and they played okay against the Colts. The special teams kind of did them in there. And then the last two games against the Ravens, and then again the the return game against the Colts, they played pretty well. So. I agree with you. The pressure is probably their biggest Achilles heel now. Um, they have had, they've been without a Dory Jackson, who's their top corner all year. Um, he's been, he had a knee injury that was suffered, I think the Friday before their first game of the season, he went on IR. He came, he tried to come back, re-injured the knee and has been out ever since. So he is still yet to, to suit up in 2020 for them, which is, is really tough. I mean, it, They've cycled through several other guys, and the current guy uh, opposite Malcolm Butler is Breon Borders, who is a former undrafted free agent, really was a practice squad guy for them early in the season, but he got elevated after they released Jonathan Joseph, and Borders, frankly, has been really good uh, over the last few weeks. He's he's a physical guy. He's not a, a great speed guy, but against physical receivers he can he can get in there and bully them and, and and play hard he played well against Michael Pittman last week for the uh the Colts um so he's 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 showing some promise but up front is where the issues are um they've got two good defensive tackles Jeffrey Simmons is is playing borderline all pro level football um he's a really good player really strong really just he, he's a beast in the middle of that defense and then Daquan Jones is is always underrated um, he's really a run stuffer. He, he's just a kind of a big heavy body in the middle. Uh, but those two guys are tough. Those two guys, it makes it hard to run in the middle of the Titans defense. And they've actually got a guy right now that's a UDFA rookie uh, named Tier Tart, who is emerging uh, as kind of a difference maker on the inside too. So the defensive tackles are fine. It's on the edge where they're really struggling. Harold Landry's good. Um, he plays with incredible effort. He's got that speed rush so against slower tackles tackles that, that can't really get out and you know quickly get to that corner he's able to beat those kind of guys but he he's just never developed that secondary move uh since coming to the nfl he doesn't have that inside counter really uh so they they do a lot with him they drop him a lot he's a really good athlete he's a good player for them but he's just not that dynamic pass rusher like a miles garrett uh, that can can really devastate a, a passing game consistently. And then opposite him, it had been Jadavian Clowney. I don't know that I don't know if he's going to play or not this week. He's currently on IR. They could activate him. He is eligible to be activated, but there's no sign of that happening at this point. So the other guy opposite Landry is going to be either Derek Roberson or uh, Tuzar Skipper. Um, so some kind of you know the. the Roberson was a UDFA last year. He flashed a little bit. He's an athletic guy. Um, he can get, you know, into the backfield some from time to time, but he's not a consistent guy either. So they just don't have that consistent edge pressure. Um, and they haven't done as good a job. Dean Pease was really able to mask a lot of that last year because they had similar personnel last year, but they had 43 sacks and ranked, I believe, close to the top 10 in the NFL in sacks. So it was a lot of simulated pressure and they did a better job of disguising blitzes. Um, and they've started to tick back towards that the last few weeks. It's been Kenny Vaccaro. It's been, uh, you know, David Long, uh, one of the, the inside linebackers that's replacing Jayon Brown. It's been uh, Desmond King out of that slot corner spot. They, they bring a lot of different guys now um, trying to 
just really kind of generate that pressure because they're not getting it from their front four just straight out rushing. Well, it's going to be fascinating because both defenses are pretty accustomed to seeing this similar type of offense. So there could be a little bit of a surprise, and I would I wouldn't feel all that crazy if if we saw a little bit more lower scoring than we're expecting. Just because those teams have only been exposed to so much football this year, and when you see a majority of your camp time and your practice time, if you get some one run, is against a similar mold of offense, nothing is all that surprising to you. The looks feel the same. So different levels of weaknesses on both defenses, how those offenses exploit them, it's going to probably dictate the outcome of this whole thing. So I'm fascinated by it. Listen, before we go, Mike, last question and the most important. All powder blues from your Titans this week, where does that rank for you in their uniform combination? So I'd say that's probably it's, – it's a top three look for me. I, I really like the all-whites that they went with last week. Uh, and then the light blue tops, navy blue bottoms, it's probably my number one. But this is, this is up there. I like when they go into the light blue look. It gives them something different. Nobody else in the league is wearing those colors. Listen, man, the Browns wore the all-white for the first time last week. And if they had the all-whites – against the powder blues we're talking two of the cleanest looks in the nfl aesthetically very pleasing for the fans too but they might go with a surprise and rock the brown pants or they sometimes will go with the orange pants too they'll surprise you a little bit there so listen man this was fun mike i appreciate it guys find mike's work it's on broadway media sportsmedia.com he's great all things titans not just titan stuff but all film uh you know if you follow me for film study with the browns it's always good to follow other teams you get some great insights so it's mike Herndon, and he's at mike miracles on twitter Mike, really appreciate your time, man. Have fun this weekend. Absolutely. You too. Big thanks to Mike for joining us, and a thank you to everybody for listening as well. Uh, this should be a fun game. Browns win this game, uh, find a way to. They go 9-3, and three, certainly secure themselves a really good chance at making the playoffs for the first time in a long time. If they can win one of these next two, they have, uh, they have obviously Baltimore in prime time the next week. They can find a way to win one of these two and win the two New York games coming up at the end of the year. They're, they're on the path to making the playoffs. These are huge games, national media respect type of games. It'll be a, a leading CBS group, I think led by Ian Eagle, so we'll keep a close eye on, on everything leading up to this game, and, and we'll certainly be there to cover it for you after the game. And, and one of the more important games in Cleveland Browns history, it's exciting. Uh, you should be excited and pumped for it. We're excited for it, too. A reminder that we are doing um, OBR film breakdowns on uh, specific sub- subscriber basis. So if you are a subscriber, you get those YouTube videos with the ability to join live. So we did a Baker Bayfield film room last night. You get the ability to join live, ask questions, have interaction, and get that video multiple days before. We'll put it on public YouTube Friday but you will get an opportunity to have that and have the interaction opportunity that subscribers do. We'll do the Baker Mayfield weekly, and then we'll do a defensive one too. So if you have questions about the defense, we'll get John Stephenson, our guy involved, and he will uh, he, he breaks it down as well as anybody from a defensive coordinator perspective. So that'll be really fun to, uh, to get those rolling too, and a great opportunity for subscribers to have content that is unique to the OBR before anything reaches the public, and especially the opportunity to interact and ask those insider questions that you guys love to ask. So join us at the OBR. we got great deals going on still. We just had a 75% off offer. That offer may come back in the future. We'll see if it does. I hope you can join us. I hope you read all the content that we have up there. Olivier Vernon stuff up this week about his exceptional play. Uh, we have every week a playoff preview, so we, we look at who you should be rooting for for the week. We have our mock draft up every week. It's great stuff. Join us at the OBR. Make sure you like, subscribe, uh, and give us a review on iTunes and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. 
for this podcast specifically. Uh, I hope you guys continue to join us on this pod. It's it's you know it's con- going through some changes. I'm always trying to you know get a fresh outlook on things and uh, have good perspectives, and hopefully you're enjoying it as well. So appreciate your uh, your your support and uh, appreciate you guys uh, tuning and listening today. And make sure you stay safe, wear a mask, and uh, have a great week this week. We'll check back Sunday. Till then, go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.